Out Minutes. This is the group movie by minute podcast where we talk about the 2019 Ryan Johnson who done it. Knives Out. We're going to talk about it one minute of screen time at a time. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am the host of Locked On MLB and of Bull Durham Minute. Today we are covering minute 107, which begins with Benoit Blanc saying there is at least one guilty party behind it all and ends with Benoit Blanc asking what the overheard words were while Ransom, Marta, and Lieutenant Elliot are stunned. Well, one thing that does not make me stunned is the fact that we are bringing back the host of Karate Kid Minute and Fright Night Minute. It's Robin Burge. Welcome hey. back. Hey. I'm here to solve some mysteries. Uh, so we're back here, and I have to say, I want to just just parachute right into this minute here because this minute has some of my favorite elements of the entire movie mm-hmm. all happening within this 60-second span that is the tone of the film, what makes the film clever to watch in in multiple viewings, and what I like about mysteries just in general and so i, I want to really get into it uh are you a mystery fan do you are you like a, a fan of like whodunits and things like that i i love mysteries i just i feel sometimes i'm just not smart enough for them like sometimes uh or just the attention span to be like like at the end of the at the end, at the end of most mysteries i'm like uh, okay all right i guess and then I rewatch it. I'm like, oh yeah, I missed that part, or, <laughs> or I wasn't paying close enough attention to that. So yeah, uh, I I love the idea of mysteries, and I and and you mentioned Columbo in the last minute, and that's one of those bucket list things that I want to like get back to and and watch because uh, so many mystery fans love watching Columbo. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it it's I like the idea of it, and I think they're fun. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sometimes I'm like not keeping up with it as fast as I wish I was. <laughs> uh, I mentioned this in a previous episode, my kids who are teenagers love old school Columbo from the nice. early seventies. Like, and so that's something the three of us, when I have my kids with me, uh, the, the three of us will watch, uh, the old school Columbo episodes, <laughs> but, uh, well, keeping in mind what you just said that a lot of times you feel like, I don't know if I'm following everything. That's what I love about minutes like this. Yeah. In that throughout the course of this, they throw a lot of details and do the thing that I love is sort of repeat a shot we've already seen, but force you to look at it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that that's one of the things that can make a film like this super fun and make you want to rewatch it because like, Oh, when that was happening, that was actually happening as opposed to what I really thought was happening was this. Um, and I think, but I also love that there is this minute has probably the funniest joke in the whole movie. 
<laughs> the 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 trooper Wagner one. Yeah, yeah. I I love that moment of just confusion, <laughs> and then yeah. no, no. <laughs> but you know, he just didn't he didn't lead into that uh, very very cleanly. He didn't. He just like there's at least one truly guilty party behind it all, and then he's like. Trooper Wagner. So, so, you know, should, he should have expected to get that reaction. <laughs> oh, and that, and that there is, there's the, re, the joke works because for a couple of reasons, he, he is giving this big, long monologue that started, you know, even before minute 106, mm-hmm. where he's breaking down what's happening. He's actually breaking down the definition of what it means to be guilty. You know, he's like, we're going to like, it's almost like the Bill Clinton. It depends on what your definition of is, is like, we're going to, we're going to put this in a Bunsen burner and boil it down to like, let's even talk about what guilt means, mm-hmm. which of course is important in this because everyone's under the impression that Marta was the one who killed uh, Thromby accidentally. So you're, I, she's not guilty of murder. And so, you know, would he say, no, there's someone who's guilty of murder who wanted to do this and to get back to what we were talking about in minute 106 you're seeing that not only has he played with the vials he's taking his jacket off and he's starting to roll up his sleeves which which metaphorically he's rolling up his sleeves and doing the hard work here but we find out later there's a there's a second reason for him wanting to roll his sleeves up but yeah in the the commentary uh Ryan Johnson said that Daniel Craig kind of came up with that whole idea. He's like, I don't know where Daniel got it from, but I love it so much. And Daniel's apparently said that he thinks that Benoit used to be a cop. And he says, this is a cop thing that, that they would do with it. And, uh, Ryan says, I'm not sure if that's what cops do, but <laughs> I like it anyway. I mean, I think it looks like he's ready to go to work. You know, he's ready yeah. to, go get, to get, get his hands dirty, you know, get into it. And he's giving this big, long monologue. Mm-hmm that it sounds like he's about to pronounce the name of the killer and the first and for and uh lieutenant elliot and martyr are kind of like who is it who is it of course the first proper name he says is um uh, you know trooper wagner mm-hmm. and of course martyr says trooper wagner and then like completely befuddled like no <laughs> no <laughs> but that's that is a great example of comedy in a film like this that is based not on we got to throw a gag in here we got to throw in a joke in here but it's it's a character based moment and of course Marta would say Trooper Wagner like is that the name <laughs> of course yeah and and it makes that moment her surprise and the confusion of <laughs> Benoit, like, no, like, what are you yeah. talking about? They, that's such a great, funny moment. Uh, and I, I, I love that what you said at the commentary, and it gets back to something I keep harping on. It's one of the reasons why this film works, and one of the reasons why this upcoming scene works is you're you're having uh, you know a movie star, a person who's you know who's a James Bond, having fun mm-hmm. and being able to improvise in a way that he probably would not have been able to do on the set of, you know, Skyfall or whatever other Bond film he's doing. And, and then in comes Captain America, (laughs) who's going to, who's having fun playing something. So the opposite, right. It's one of the things that makes this movie so 
you know, you're seeing these famous people who could just do the same thing and audiences would love it if he played Bond, he'd play Captain America for the rest of their lives, and they could sit on a big Scrooge McDuck pile of money. Let's watch him have fun. Right. And these two actors, Evans and and Daniel Craig, are having a ball. And it's so and and that's infectious. It makes it we're having fun watching them play against type and and playing in a totally different genre. It's like if they showed up in a Western together, you know, it just sort of how different can we make this? Can we make our perception of these actors? And I think it, it makes it. Yeah. It's funny. Chris Evans, uh, you know, I'm sure he was trying to get away from a little bit of that Captain America shine, but I think, I think the Captain America shine really helps us believe him as mm-hmm. the helper in the first part. And then uh, it's even more shocking uh, when we realized that, because he used, he used to play the jerk, you know, when he was playing the human torch or, or, you know, like not another teen movie uh, before Captain America, but now he's been playing, he's been known as this, you know, clean cut Captain America for the past, you know, nearly 10 years. I think this is just such a great part of the mystery that, you know, any other mystery would have Benoit being hired by the family and, uh, he has to figure out what happened. And meanwhile, you'd have Marta perhaps, uh, you know, we find out that she made this mistake and then she's getting into worse and worse, getting in deeper and deeper by trying to get it covered up. But I love this like little, you know, I love the donut. I love the fact that this unknown has hired Benoit. So that's kind of like the mystery that's in the background. Mm -hmm. It just makes it even more intriguing. Like, we could figure out that Marta messed up, but what's the deal with this mystery person that hired Benoit and why? Mm-hmm. And then to throw that right at him, like he comes in and he said mm-hmm. like, Oh, I, I had to tell him. And you know, Marta's like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. And yes. you know, and that, you know, the grandmother, she mistook me for me. That's what it's about. And he says, we'll get to that in a second. That's it to say. <laughs> I've, I, that's my little clue going back to our disagreement in minute 106. That's my little clue that like, no, 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 he has this all mapped up. He said, I've got, <laughs> I already know the roadmap to that. But then yeah. he said, you hired me. And that's when everyone looks at it, like, like Marta and uh, like Keith Stanfield both look over and he, you know, he, it's like, I hired you. And but there's a great little thing, and this is one of these things that makes um, this film uh, great in rewatching is that he just very casually says, "So Hugh Ransom Drysdale," because he that's you know we, he's mentioned that his real first name is Hugh when he first shows up, and he says that the whole name here, Hugh uh, did it. That, <laughs> yeah, that becomes that becomes a major clue, but that's also like a moment of yeah. You see, he's got all this in his head. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, that and, and and I think another thing to to support uh, your side is the fact that he told Wagner before the scene. Well, I you know he whispered in his ear, but I think it was basically like hold ransom in the other room, and when I call you, you bring him in. Right, and and you can also notice. When Wagner brings Ransom in, he seems to be kind of glaring at him, you know, because and and I almost think like maybe Blanc whispered to Wagner like he's the one that switched the medicine. I want you to hold him out there. Don't let him go. And when I call you, bring him in. So so almost like Wagner knows ahead of time that Ransom is going to be the guilty party. 
and to watch well, him. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this about uh, I, I, I'm, you and I are just going to disagree on in every single minute. That's going to be great. Uh, this, this is like pardon the interruption or something. Um, the uh, I think that I don't think Wagner is the sharpest knife in the drawer. Right. I think he's a well-meaning guy. Obviously, Lieutenant, uh, uh, you know, uh, Lieutenant Elliot is the sharper one of the two of them. But I also know that from the beginning, Trooper Wagner has felt disrespected by uh, Ransom. Remember when he first comes in mm. and he just storms right past him, we are law enforcement officers. And, yeah, he, yeah. and he grabs a stack of Pringles no, that's or whatever. True. <laughs> and so I think that he has a chip on. He looks at him as he's a spoiled brat who has everything handed to him, who doesn't even respect the law, doesn't respect who he is. So even if he thinks, you know, the fact that he's being held in the corner by Benoit makes him think, okay, he must know something. But even if Benoit said, look, he's totally not the man who did it, but he has a valuable piece of information, <laughs> he still hates his guts. Yeah, it's true. And and we don't know, we haven't seen the scene that was happening around the corner that, you know, Ransom could have been busting his balls the entire time. <laughs> so he true. could have just like, like he could have just uh, – done a string of insults so which is not beneath him so i i think that that's a reflection not necessarily that he that um look at if lieutenant elliot can't see the whole picture then there's no way trooper wagner does oh i only say wagner sees the whole picture because blank whispered it to him that's all he didn't figure it out himself (laughs) i don't think so i think he just hates ransom and i think around the corner has been (laughs) like a, a non-stop Don Rickles-esque <laughs> spew of insults at poor Trooper Wagner, and he yeah. has had it. Okay, that's it. I'm taking you. I'm taking you to the principal's office right now. <laughs> that's true. He's he's definitely got the hall monitor look about him. <laughs> oh yeah, that's probably yeah, it's probably the the most authorities had since being a hall monitor as being a trooper. <laughs> you know, a, a Massachusetts state trooper is being pushed around by this guy. So yeah, that's yeah. that's my take on that. But um, but I do but love. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. No, no, uh, keep going, keep going, keep going. Ransom, I love Ransom uh, coming in apologizing too because he, God, he's such a smart guy, you know. Because I mean, we'll talk about the how how fast he figured out how to do all this in the first, like in that one evening. But you know, here he is. He's he's tr- he was trying to get the inheritance through the Slayer Law, but now he was being blackmailed, and he ends up like having to become. Uh, buddies with uh marta um but now that he's killed fran and gotten that blackmail out of the way he can go back to his original plan and you know play the good guy and have marta be framed for murder and uh and you know and collect his his share and marta just plays right into it like she's Mm -hmm. so she feels so guilty when he comes in like all about you know like i'm your best friend i was and and she's like and she's like oh no he did his best trying to cover up for me he was just trying to help me and just kind of reassures him that you know it's okay you know I I I I'm I did a bad thing and I need to be punished for it and so I love how Ransom just kind of plays with her her sympathies. Yeah, uh, Ransom's you know for being the uh, the 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 spoiled bride of the family, Ransom's pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, as you said, that he immediately figured out. Um, he, you know, he, he figured out what to do, and we see in the next minute that he he turned things pretty quickly. Um, 
in an odd way, and I mentioned this in the, the, the Heidi Bennett minutes, in an odd way, he is the most honest person in the family mm-hmm. in that he was the only one who uh, he was for, the only one who truthfully answered the questions by, um, you know, by the uh, when asked, did what did you say in the conversation? Everyone else lied about what was said. And he was the only one who said, like, yeah, I was left out of the will. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one who called everyone full of you know, the Brown stuff in that scene <laughs> of which they all were. Cause they showed that they weren't that, you know, they were treating him like he was the outcast of the family when in actuality and, and just wanted the money. And they all, the minute they found that they no longer had the money, they all became these awful, horrible predatory people who wanted the money. And so in some ways he was the most honest and that honesty, not that this is admirable, but they all wanted Harlan dead. Mm-hmm. Don Johnson wanted him dead. Tony Collette wanted him dead. Everyone wanted Michael Shannon. They all knew that him dropping dead would be the best thing for him. And Ransom was the only one who acted on it. Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm not condoning that. <laughs> Let the record show. Right. But. They were all awful money-grubbing people, as was he. And he's the only one who basically said, yeah, I'm an awful money-grubbing person. And uh, in some ways, he, he was the – they were all immoral, but he was the only one who knew, who could actively say – who would never acted holier than thou. He knew exactly who he was. Yeah, and I think he used that to kind of appeal to Marta. Like, yeah, we all deserve being cut out, you know, but we I need to make sure that you're not punished for this. You know, and he he got he played off of the fact that she was friends with Harlan, not with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Everyone else treated her like garbage. They didn't know the first thing about her. They treated her like that she was a maid. They treated her with great suspicion and say, like, "I'm the only one." And he realized if he could play that card, I'm the only one of the whole family. You know, I'm honest. You may, I may not be good, but I'm honest. And they're all awful people. And your only hope is that is to be with me. Um, that was that showed that he was uh, there was a brain working up in there, albeit uh, an immoral one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, there you go. I think I stunned everyone to silence. <laughs> and then we go back to the. Uh, you know, we go back to the flashbacks, and there, of course, the next minute is going to have a lot more flashbacks. But I love right. the device. I love the device, and we're going to again the next minute. We're going to talk about this in greater depth, but of repeating shots where now you can see it in a totally different context. Um, you know, the Usual Suspects did that brilliantly, um, and you know, the best mystery films where you re- you go back to previous scenes and go like, oh, that's what, what was happening there. You know, and, and Knives Out is really, really great at that particular uh, device, for the lack mm-hmm. of a better word, of saying, okay, remember that shot you saw before? Now look at it again with the knowledge that you have now. What do you think is happening? And um, oh, and, the, and I think the greatest film on to ever do that is Francis Coppola's The Conversation, where you're just watching the same conversation over and over mm-hmm. again. And then eventually it all makes, you know, it's just this random series of words. And by the end, 
you understand what's happening. And but you keep seeing the same shot over and over of Frederick Forrest and Sidney Williams and Gene Hackman listening to them until eventually it's like, oh, that's what's happening in this scene. And I do. And I love that device that forces you to let's just watch that scene again and again and again. And, and they do it really well in this film. Uh, can I talk a little bit about the set at all? Um, before we oh, go, oh, 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 let's see. Do is the floor open? The floor is open. Yes, Robin, right. Robin, Robin, you may speak about the set. So I got to say, I love this set, and uh, I just it, it just imagine having so much literature that you'd need two two levels of a library, <laughs> like just the so best. many books. The best. That's what I. <laughs> that's what I want my bathroom to look like. I just want to. <laughs> Like it's like Lex Luthor's lair with another oh, Gene Hackman yes. film. Yes. Remember when he and you know had the ladder going? He pulls the, the Nat Geo from there. <laughs> yeah, Otis. Uh, so you mentioned the the teapots last minute. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you knew what those were, uh, but those it, zoom in on those, and that is uh, it. Looks like Harlan won the Agatha Award. Those are Agatha Awards uh, for. Oh wow! Oh for, wow! For best short story, and it says in 2004, uh, Agatha Awards are named, of course, for Agatha Christie, and uh, they're those awards are given to writers who write cozy mysteries. Uh, so the definition of a cozy mystery is uh, there's no sex and violence on stage, uh, or you know, in the in main, yeah. main place. The detective is usually an amateur sleuth. And it usually happens in a smaller setting, you know, a, a, a house or, a, you know, a, a, com- a small community or something like that. Right. I was intrigued that Harlan won the best short story award in 2004 that I looked up to find out who actually did win that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was this woman. Her name is uh, Elaine Vietz, and she won it for her short story, Wedding Knife. Oh, <laughs> man, if they ever make a sequel to Knives Out, they better call it Wedding Knife. I am in. You have my money. Uh, apparently, the bride was had a different plan for a honeymoon. I just but, love that oh, there's a knife in. In, the, in the name of the thing. And I'm not sure. Who knows if Elaine, I, I looked, I Googled and Googled and Googled, and I didn't, wasn't sure if Elaine had ever mentioned, like, hey, they he, Harlan Thrumby took my award. Uh, but it was from her short story compilation, Chesapeake Crimes. Uh, I don't have a, a, a summary, uh, but, you know, uh, I think with this quote that I have from her that maybe Ryan Johnson uh, should watch his back for stealing her award. Her quote is, uh, I live on the ocean in Florida. Every morning I take a long walk on the beach and think about killing people. Writing mysteries is a relaxing life. (laughs) Oh, by the way, can we give a shout out? We talked about him last minute. Shout out to set decorator David Schlesinger for that detail. Yeah, That is great. That is that's an Easter egg, the best kind that you. For, I just thought it was a teapot. No, Boom. no. But if you actually, if you, this is why this film is fractally good. You know, like when you have a fractal, the more you look at a fractal, the more shapes mm-hmm. there are. Well, the more you look at the details, you see that that's not just a random pot. Yeah. They said no. That's a de- That's a character development through out of focus set decoration. There's also like a book sitting there and I couldn't quite get the title of it, but it, it's a, it's a magician's book. It's like how to do magic. Well, uh, and what, and that's exactly what Benoit Blanc is doing in this scene. It's like, he's right. doing a magic trick at this one. <laughs> this uh, is why this, this is why this film is this good. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love the, the, the lamp there that's, there's like a, a couple of dolls sitting on a couch and the lamp is between them. I love that little part. The, did, did you see the treasure and skull painting? I swear that looks yes. so familiar, yeah, but I don't yes. know what it's, what it's from. I, I don't know, but it's probably, if you do a deep dive, it means, uh, uh, there's, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's more character development. So I will say, you know, looking at the actual, I mean, the, the set itself, I, we could talk about it in later minutes, but, uh, uh, that Egyptian, uh, rug is, is actually part of the, uh, the, the, the place that they're filming at. Uh, but, and also the, uh, did you notice the dollhouse bar when they, when Wagner is bringing ransom in? There's like a big dollhouse there, but it's opened up and inside is just a full bar. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So, uh, yeah. Well, look, there's so much to unpack. I did not. This is how good this movie is that I didn't expect. He said, do you see that teapot? Yeah. Well, guess what? (laughs) Yeah. There's there's stuff to unpack. Again, I thought it was there as a sort of a reminder of the discovery of Harlan's body. It never occurred to me that it could actually be. Yeah, the literary awards. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, guess what? It's been fantastic having Robin Burge on here. And do you know what? Can you stick around? Because there's a couple other minutes we can talk about. I think so. I think so. All right. We'll book you another night in the hotel. <laughs> and uh, so this was uh, really terrific. My goodness, we're, we're breaking down set decoration here. <laughs> and we're going to keep doing it here. Come back.